verse number 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. 1 Kings 18, verse 41. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus. Ask you to quicken us by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray if there's one in our midst lost that today they might be saved. Lord, I ask you to encourage your people, strengthen them. Lord, may they be edified through the Word of God today. Lord, I pray you administer to every heart, draw us near to you. Lord, I plead the blood over your men that preach all across this country this morning. I pray, Lord, you'd outpour your spirit. Even, Lord, as Isaiah said, I'm salt of them that look not for me. I pray, God, you just come and move in these services, Lord, maybe uninvited and even unexpected. But, God, I pray you'd do a great and a mighty work. Lord, turn our hearts in this country. Lord, revive us again. Lord, bless Brother Shane. Bless this Bible conference coming up. Lord, use our brothers. He preaches. And, Lord, I pray, God, you'd minister to the heart of this people. I praise you now for what you're going to do. Give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Elijah looked at Ahab in verse number 41 there on Mount Carmel. And he said, get thee up, eat and drink. He said, you better wind your picnic up. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. Not a cloud in the sky. Not a clap of thunder, not a streak of lightning. But Elijah said, I have heard some things that tells me there's rain on the horizon. Now, why was this rain so important? That's what I'm preaching on, the sounds of abundance of rain. Why was this rain so important? Well, for three and a half years, God had stopped the rain and stopped the dew. And the famine was great, and it got so bad that even Ahab come off of his throne, and him and Obadiah went out hunting some provender and some hay for the mules. I mean, that's bad when the king's off the throne hunting something for the mules to eat. And uh, she's bad. The earth's cracked and parched, and the crops have dried up. Uh, There's famine in the land, and boy, they're under the judgment of God. And we find that they're in great dire need of rain. Now we find that one reason that there was judgment is because 2 Chronicles chapter number 7, right before that great promise of revival in verse 14, the Lord told Solomon, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... And he said he would do that if Israel turned their back on God. Then there's a lot of conditional promises in the Bible. That little word if is the hinge that the door swings both ways. And the children of Israel had sinned against God. They had turned to Baal. They were doing like America. They were turning their back on God and the things of God. And so God just withdrew the rain and the dew. You think about rain, clear water. There's no vitamins, there's no electrolytes, there's no minerals, and yet every human being has to have water. And God made it, and that's like air. I mean, it's an invisible substance, and you've got to have that. And people say, well, I don't believe in God, I can't see Him. Well, you believe in air, don't you? And uh, you uh, drink water, 
all those things. Well, God shut it all down, and the judgment was so harsh, not only no rain, but no dew. Israel was used to having an early rain and a latter rain and dew in the middle to take care of the crops, but none of that had taken place. Now, Elijah's on the mountain. He's called the fire down, and he says to Ahab, I hear now the sounds of abundance of rain. Why would God send rain? Well, I want to look at some of these sounds that preceded God sending rain in mercy. First of all, I hear the sound of praying. The sound of praying. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of James, chapter 5 and verse number 17, that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly for three and a half years that it might not rain, and it rained not for the space of three and a half years. He prayed earnestly. Now, we know from the time he preached to Ahab at the brook Cherith of the time it rained was three years. So that tells me prior to him preaching to Ahab, he'd been praying for six months. He prayed for six months, preached a 10-second message. How long does it take me to say, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, there'll be no dew, there'll be no rain till I say so. And he walked off. He didn't sing one just stand or just as I am. He didn't give an invitation. He didn't argue with him. He just gave that brief few second message and said that's it. But now he'd been praying six months before he preached the short message. I'm afraid we preach six months and pray real short. And that's why there's not a lot of effect. And Ahab looks at him cross-eyed, and as he goes out the door, he thinks, well, who's that, who's that hairy man? Who, who's that fellow? What does he think he's doing preaching to me? But boy, one week went by, two weeks, a year went by, two years went by, three years went by. And Ahab, uh, when he met Elijah, said, Are thou he that troubleth Israel? You're the one preached that. You're the one called judgment down on us. And he knew that there was power in the praying of Elijah. If we're going to have revival, somebody's going to have to do some praying. And in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse number 14, after God said, I'm going to draw back the rain, he said, If my people which are called by my name humble themselves and pray. Elijah prayed for six months, and then he prayed during those three years as well. And the Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask amiss. If there's anything in the Word of God, 306 times the word pray is used, and the word supplication and intercession and all these other words just numerous times. Uh, When men begin to call on the name of the Lord in the days of Seth all the way through, God wants his people to be a praying people. You say, but you know, who am I? What, what, what am I to tell God? You don't tell God anything in supplication. You claim the promises of God. You ask the Lord humbly before him. And you know, I want to encourage you coming into this Bible conference to spend some time in prayer. I know many of you get up in the morning, you read your Bible, you have your prayer time. But praying ought to be as natural as breathing to the child of God. 
I come down my driveway, very seldom do I ever get to the first curve and I'm not already praying. Lord, I ask you for direction, for protection. Keep me from sin. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to walk in your way. And throughout the day, I find myself praying just like I'm breathing before the Lord. But God wants his people to pray. And if we pray, we might just hear the sounds of abundance of rain. Amen. Boy, when I hear people praying, people praying, communing with God, calling on God, I'm going to expect some rain showers. Oh, my, my. And we'll meet together and pray congregationally. We'll pray the men and the women. We'll pray individually. We'll pray in the altar. While I'm preaching, you ought to be praying in your heart. Lord, open my mind. Open my soul. Make me God conscious. Make me prayer conscious of communing with the Lord. And if you don't have a prayer life, you can forget the showers of blessings. Amen. But then secondly, not only do I hear the sound of praying, but I hear the sound of preaching. Turn back over to 1 Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. I like what old Elijah did as he walked up there to the White House steps. The Bible tells us how that he looked the way he had been the eyes now. Uh, he's looking at a king that could chop his head off immediately, but he has absolutely no fear of that king, and he has no fear of what he would do to him. And so he looks at old King Ahab, and he says there in chapter 17 and verse number 1, as the Lord God of Israel. Now they had forgotten the God of Israel. Yeah. They had forgotten the Lord, the master overseer, the boss, the controller, the sovereign, the one that's on the throne that we all give an account to. Yeah. He opens up with the Lord God, Elohim, the self-existent, eternal God, in need of nothing, in need of nobody. He said the Lord God of Israel. Israel was God's people. God claimed Israel. And yet Baal had tried to lay claims upon Israel. The Lord God of Israel that liveth, he don't pass with the ages. Our God's alive. We used to sing a song in the choir belonged to God's not dead, he is alive. God's not dead, he is alive. I feel him all over me. We live by faith, but I'll guarantee you, praise God, there's Holy Ghost feelings that come with serving our God. And he said, Ahab, I'm here to call your attention to the fact God's not dead. He's alive. And he said, before whom I stand, I'm his servant. I stand before him and I serve him. I'm not down here doing what I want to do. I'm not going to say what I want to say. I'm simply repeating what he's called me to repeat. He said, now there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. God gave him a promise to claim. And in that preaching, he was preaching a promise. And the promise was, if Israel sins, I'm going to shut up the heavens. And he prayed by faith. And faith is believing the promises of God. And as God's people, we need to cash in on the checkbook of faith. I don't know if you got it or not. I've got Spurgeon's apps on the checkbook of faith and morning and evening. And I read one just about every day, and he just gives a, a different promise there. 
Boy, to live on the promise. We sing that old song, standing on the promises of Christ my King. As God's children, you have every right to stand on His promise. He tells us in 2 Peter 1 that He's given us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the world uh, through lust. Now, those promises or our right to summons and claim, God, you said it, it's your word. And if you look at Daniel's prayers, if you look at Paul's prayers, if you look at the different prayers of the Bible, they're always praying the promises of God back to God because it honors him. He's no forgetful God. He doesn't promise, then forget and say, oh, what are you talking about? No, he's ready for you and I to claim the promises of God. And as God's children, we need to claim those promises. And that's exactly what he did in his preaching. But his preaching didn't end there. Turn over to 1 Kings chapter number 18. And in verse number 17, whenever he met Obadiah, and Obadiah, he told him, said, you go tell Ahab that Elijah's here. He said, why, you want me to get my head chopped off? said, don't you know, I've hid servants during all this in, by fifties in caves and all that. And I go tell Ahab who's been hunting you for three years, Elijah's here. He said, you just go tell him everything will be all right. Well, Elijah's sitting there on a rock. Here comes old Ahab hunting him up. He looks up and there is the man of God. And the Bible tells us in verse 17, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Are you our problem? And there's a lot of folk think the man of God's their problem. They think what he's preaching is their problem. I like what Elijah said to him. Boy, this was a good comeback. He said, I'm not troubled Israel. But thou and thy father's house, in that ye've forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore, sin, he begins to command the king. He said, here's what you go. You, you tell, uh, bring those prophets of Baal in the grove up on the Mount Carmel. We're going to have a little contest there, and we're going to find out who God is. That man of God wasn't going to be bossed around by a king. He wasn't going to be pushed around by anybody else. Boy, I thank God for a man of God that'll stand on his own two feet. He's not going to let a long-tongued woman push his ministry around. He's not going to let some brash, proud, smart-aleck man tell him what to do or what not to do. He's going to get with God, get with the Word of God, and stay with it. Not influenced by what people think or they don't think, but got his eyes on the Lord and his head set like a flint. Elijah didn't say, uh, I'm sorry, Ahab, I apologize, man. It's been dry around here, and I know, and we're going to try to do better, and we'll fix it up. And you got anything you want me to preach, put it in the suggestion box? No, Elijah wasn't a modernistic preacher. He said, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. You've forsaken God's commandment. You've forsaken the things of God. Thank God for preaching. Preaching this bold preaching. Preaching this Bible preaching. Preaching that'll bless you. I said, when God saved me and called me to preach, I'm going to come to this Bible, and if it says stand on your head and juggle peanuts upside down, I'm going to get me some peanuts and practice standing on my head. And that's been my policy through the years. 
I know I went to Bible college, a bunch of different ones, and I had different ones say, well, you can't do this, don't say this. Uh, and I said, well, wait a minute. You know, one of them said, don't use the word revelation. Don't use that. You know, there's no more revelation, just the Bible, that's all, that's all you get. And then I read where no man can know the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever uh, he will reveal him. And then I read where he told Peter, blessed art thou, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I think I'll take the words of Jesus, amen? And when you come to things where, pre- and you hear all kind of wild things, you better take the word of God. And Elijah took that bold biblical preaching and said, no, here's the problem. Here's how we need to solve it. Look, boy, I hear the sounds of abundance of rain. That preaching will cut through a lot of pretense. Brother Shane, when God puts a message in your heart and you look out over this crowd and you think, my soul, what is this all about? You don't know. Brother Jared sang a song about Job. Oh, Job sacrificed. He pled the blood every day. And the Bible said he prayed lest his sons had sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And he didn't know. He said, I don't even know what's in my own boy's heart. I plead the blood over them. I don't take for granted anybody don't have your depraved natures in you as deep as it's in me. I don't know what's going on here. Oh my, I just talked to a good friend of mine. They had an awful tragedy in their church. They had a boy there. He was a special needs kid, had some mental problems, but he was a good boy. He took a rifle and he killed his mama and killed his grandpa. And the deputy showed up and he shot at them, missed one of them by two inches, and they had to kill him on the spot. Right there in that little country church, I preached there many times. I've looked at that boy right now. I'd have never thought that that would ever happen. But he blowed a circuit. Something happened. I don't know what happened. You don't know who's sitting here. You don't know what's going on in their heart. And so when God gives you a message and he says, preach, you preach it because the word of God discerns between the thoughts and intents of the heart and it goes between the joints and the mire. We can put on a facade. We can put on a face. We can put on a dress and a, and a suit. And we can sit there and act like everything's right. But God knows what's going on at the house. He knows what's going on in your heart and that word it reached straight to Ahab and he said no Ahab you're the problem not me amen I hear the sound of abundance of rain when the man of God begins to preach that word without fear without favor and without compromise hallelujah there's a sound of abundance rains on the horizon But then I want to say also that there was the quiet sound of patience. You say, how can patience have a sound? Well, the Bible tells us when when Elijah preached, and this was the hardest thing, God said, now, you go hide yourself by the brook chair. God took care of him every morning, every evening, and sent the ravens in there to feed him. He heard that, that babbling, gurgling brook, and he drunk there. Can you imagine now staying there for all that time by yourself, chomping at the bits? God just let him preach to the king. Now the Lord says, 
hang out by the brook. I don't want you preaching no more. I want you to sit right here, drink branch water, enjoy my provisions. It'll be all right, Elijah. Patience is the hardest thing in the world. Billy Canoy said patience was idling your motor when you wanted to strip a gear. Amen. Boy, to be patient and to wait on God is a hard thing. And I tell folk this all the time. I want to see everybody saved, but I want to see them saved. I got a grandson, little Boone. Many of you know Boone. He hung out. He was under conviction for over a year. He hung out with me. hung out with Bridger. And Bridger praying hellfire and brimstone messages on his phone. And I'd talk to him and all that. And he'd come hear me preach. And he got in the altar there in Anderson where I was preaching at. I got down by him, prayed with him. And the light just wasn't on. He just, he just couldn't grasp it. I wasn't about to wring a profession out of that boy and jump up, oh, yeah, he's saved, and then let him go through life like that. Just left him with God, patiently left him with God. Matthew, same way, patiently left him with God. Ha, hallelujah. The other night, just a little while back, they were sitting around the table and just asked the blessing over the food. Little Boone said to his mama, Mama, I got to get saved right now. He got up, went over there to the couch. He said, Poppy, he said, God saved me before my knees ever hit the floor. Hallelujah. And me and him hung out together this week. He's happy in Jesus because he knows what God did for him. We have patience in seeing people saved. Let the Holy Ghost waller them around in conviction. Brother Dave Crow, Australian missionary, one of the greatest men of God I know back in Papua New Guinea, went back in the jungles and all that. He told me, he said, my first term, he said, these are animistic people. They're sort of religious people anyhow. He said, I got all kind of professions out of them, but said they didn't last. And he said, I backed up and looked at it, and I said, there's something wrong. This is not Bible salvation. He said, my next term that I came up there, he said, I preached to them. Let the word of God soak and waited patiently. And he said, when they got ready to get saved, a team of horses couldn't keep them from getting saved. And he said, you know what? They lasted. They stayed in there. said, here they are. Because God did that work patient. Elijah had to have patience by the brook. He had to have patience by the barrel. God sent him over to Jezebel's old hometown. Uh, Zidon, he went across uh, the country and he dwelt there and had a widow woman, a widow woman. You talk about humbling. Good night. Here's a big old strong stout fella. Why, when he calls fire down, he outruns the chariot all the way across the valley of Jezreel. We're talking about my, we're talking about a big old strong burly guy. God said, just be patient. I'm going to let the widow woman reach in the barrel and give you food, and pour the, I'm going to pour it through her hand, and uh, you're not going to work a public job, this widow woman's going to feed you, that big old fat preacher laying around over there, I'll tell you what, that widow woman taking care of him and all that, but the thing about it was, because she took care of the man of God, God took care of the widow woman, and if you seek God first in his kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. One of the humblest things I ever had to do was quit a public job. I grew up in a bean basket. We were the migrant workers. My daddy didn't give me my first car. I bought that $550 67 Volkswagen. Amen. Had a silver donkey on the hood, turned the lights on, had two lights, looked like two men smoking cigarettes coming down the, down the, uh, the road. And boy, I didn't, I didn't hot rod that. I, took, I knew what it took to put a set of tires on it because I worked. 
Now God's called me and put me in full-time ministry, and you talk about an humbling thing to have somebody hand you money. And, and I know that when I come and preach, I ain't worth what God's children do for me. I know that. I know that. There are times I'll go around the world and you'll pay. You won't receive a dime. And I do that many times. All these different continents and invest in that. And then there are other times I come to congregations and man, they'll load you up. You preach uh, an hour and they'll give you a thousand dollars. That's more than a doctor makes. Amen. But yet that thousand takes you on down the way and it helps you go preach to somebody else that can't do what they do. And Elijah is humbled down by birds feeding him and then by the widow woman feeding him. God's making him be patient. I hear the sounds of abundance of rain. If we'll be patient and keep our eyes on the Lord and stay faithful, not get discouraged, not kick out. Young people, you need a wife, you need a husband. Don't jump the gun. You pray and let God send you the right one. And when he does, keep a Bible between you and them so you don't get in trouble. Amen. Your flesh stinks like everybody else's flesh. Put up guards and perimeters. And you wait on God, God will send you the right one. Amen. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be like that one old uh, gal. She was dating this boy. And uh, the preacher said, uh, her and her mama was sitting there and said, you know, she's dating him, said, but he don't believe in hell. That mama spoke up and said, hi, me and my daughter will teach him there's a hell. <laughs> and you, you run into some of them like that, buddy. Then, hey, you get messed up with that. You be learning some lessons you don't want to learn. Say amen right there. Now, all this is in the sound of abundance of rain, so just hang on. And then I see something else that and that's the sound of preparation. Oh, you come to Mount Carmel. They're having a contest. And here these sons of Baal are. And they're screaming and a hollering. They get the first, first go round. Half the morning belongs to them. And uh, they're crying, oh, Baal, God, answer by fire and show everybody who God is. Well, Elijah's over there under the bush. And God, their God's not answering by fire because he is no God. And Elijah says, cry aloud, you sons of Baal. Maybe your God's pursuing. Maybe he's on a vacation. Maybe he's there. Holler a little louder. <laughs> I see him laying under one of those old short bushes over there chewing a piece of straw. They're jumping up and down. Those prophets of Baal are on the altar screaming and a beggar and knocking all the bark off their goose. Cry a little louder, boys. They get where they're going. They think they don't have to sacrifice, so they cut themselves, spill their blood on the altar. Oh, bail, and nothing's happening. No sound of abundance of rain there. A defeat. And this world's religion is a defeated religion. But then Elijah said, All right, it's my turn. And he goes over there and he pulls all their junk off the altar. He takes 12 stones, you hear. Click, bang, click, bang, bang, click, click. Kawap, kawap, kawap. He's cutting some wood and he's laying it in order. He takes his knife and he takes that bullock and he cuts it and he lays it out in the Levitical order of sacrifice. 
And then you hear a shovel as he's shoveling around that altar. Boy, dirt's a-flying, and there's a big old ditch. He says, all right, boys, go get 12 barrels of water. Water this thing down. And they bring it in, you hear a go, 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 and the water's poured out. Four times, those, those that water's poured out everywhere, and the, the ditch is filled up. He said, all right, now, it's time. You know what he did? He did some preparation. You want to be used to God? Be prepared. Get ready. Study the Bible, you'll have something to say. Ask God to give you wisdom to witness and you'll have a word. Glean from others. And people say, well, I, I don't read no other commentaries. I, I just figured it out myself. Spurgeon said, if you won't use another man's brains, it proves you have no brains of your own. Amen. Well, I disagree with so-and-so and such-and-such. Such. He said, a chicken's more wise than we are. It'll sift through a bushel of, of, uh, of uh, chaff to get one grain of wheat. We'll sift through a bushel of wheat and find one grain of chaff and throw it all away. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I don't agree with it. I've got thousands of books on my shelf. Man, they run from one gamut to the other. But it's my job to sift and compare it to the Word of God. And if I can use another man's stick to kill a snake, I'm going to do it. I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. Brother Jared, I have them ask me this. Brother Andrew, with that schedule you've got, how do you find time to study for these sermons and all that? I said, if you don't have it before you get there, you ain't going to get it when you get there. I'm talking about, man... The opportunity jumps on you. Buck Huntley used to say, you better be ready to preach in a moment's notice and die without one. And all that comes from that well digging back there and getting prepared and getting ready. And Elijah's preparing for the fire. And you know what else he's doing? He's saying, hey, this is not a trick of the sleeve. We've got it watered down. And it's going to take more than the power of man to bring the fire. Amen. Again, we hear the sound of prayer. As he begins to pray, he uses just a few words, and he calls upon the Lord. And the Bible says that as he drew near, he said, Lord God, if Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, be it known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I'm thy servant, and that I've done these things at thy word. And what a confidence. To know we're doing what God wants us to do. Yes, sir. People say, oh, I don't like it. Don't blame me. He sent me. You go tell him. Young and she ever had this happen? Mama said, so and so and so. Well, I'm just not going to do it. You don't tell me what to Whoa, you go talk to Mama. I'm just telling you what Mama said. Amen. Yeah. Reuben Fields said he was out there playing in the yard and his sister came out and said, you get out of that road, Reuben. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. She went back in the house. She come back out in a minute. She said, Mama said you get out of that road right now. He said, I got out of that road right then. Elijah said, Lord, show them that I'm doing it not by me but by your word. Hear, O Lord, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. I'm interested in God's people knowing that it's God, not me. I don't want to follow him. 
I don't want them to have confidence in me. God, I want them to have confidence in you. Prove yourself to them that they may look beyond me and they might see God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Lord, revive us. Then the fire of the Lord fell. It consumed the burnt offering, the sacrifice, the wood, and licked up all the water. And go whoosh, a big atomic mushroom on the mountain. God put an exclamation point, one of the most public manifestations of himself in the Bible, that God is God and Baal was not God. Hallelujah. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there's there's the sound of God's power coming down. You can argue with a lot of things, but when God's power comes down and God does a mighty work, it's hard to argue with that. And you know what this generation needs to see? They need to see God's power active and working and not be able to explain that this was Brother Jackson, this was his church, this was God's doing. But then there's another sound that takes place. In verse number 39, he said, The people fell on their face and said, The Lord is God. The Lord is God. They began to confess the Lord as God. But when we begin to confess Him as Lord, now that word Lord, boss, master, overseer, the supreme sovereign of our lives, He's not going to be a sideline issue. And when God's people began to bow to His Lordship, look out, there's sounds of abundance of rain. Then something else happens in verse number 40. There is a purging. Get this, and Elijah said unto them, Take of the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them down, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. What? 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 Big chopping axe, 450 of those rascals were executed. Whoa! He just prayed fire down from heaven, the glory of the Lord's fell, and then they have execution day of 450 prophets of Baal. What's this all about? You study those prophets of Baal. Yes, sir. They were transvestite, homosexual, bestiality, yep. rapists, murderers, pedophiles, you name it, and they did it. They were guilty of every crime you could think of. And God said that it's time for them to be executed for their crimes. And they were. Oh, preacher, that's just too severe. And you know what? If we don't have some purging in our lives, you can forget the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah came up from there and he said, Now eat and drink, get your picnic together, because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. We've dealt with the root of the problem. What do you need to take the axe to the root to? Is it bitterness? Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills your neighbor. Are you mad at somebody? Do you get up in the morning and you go through the day and it's on your mind you just can't get rid of it? That root of bitterness will defile everything in you. You have to put that to the Lord. When I was in West Texas years ago in the early ministry, me and my wife took a gospel tent and I went up the border towns of West Texas from, uh, from Eagle Pass to El Paso, Marfa, Alpine, Presidio, Fort Stockton, 
And city after city. But as we're driving up that old long road on the border, I seen these orange trash bags all along the way. And I asked the old Barry, uh, brother that lives there, Brother Barry, I said, what is that? He said, well, that's where they've had a bitter weed uh, pulling. He said, uh, there's bitter weeds that it will sour the milk of a cow, it'll kill sheep, and said it's no good. But said ranchers that don't care if it's on there, they're just going to have buffalo or whatever, they don't care. But if you're next to their line, then that bitter weed will get over on you. And the only way to get rid of it is to get on your knees and pull it out. Said you can take a bush hog and run through it, but it just spreads it everywhere. And you see these signs along the way, bitter weed wash required. And if you've been delivering something over on a ranch that's got bitter weed, before your truck goes on their ranch, you have to have a high-pressure wash and get all the mud and all the junk out from under the fenders and all that. Because if you've been on their ranch and picked up bitter weed, then you're just going to bounce it and spread it all over his ranch. Brother Shane, I've often thought, folk come from one church to the other, you need to have a bitter weed wash. Everything okay? All right, some hard things happen. We understand that. But if you got the bitterness out, if you got it straightened out, you can agree to disagree and go on, but don't let that harbor in your heart. Don't let that bitterness be there. We need to put the axe to the root. It may be sins. It may be fornication, pornography. These telephones are the ruination of our day. Kids grow up with their nose in it, and they can't get their nose out of it. I'm writing a country music song. If you know a good country music singer that can sing it for me, please let me know. I'm in love with my phone. <laughs> I can't leave it alone. Wherever I roam, I'm in love with my phone. That's a love song. That's a hate song. If I'm visiting Mabel, or I'm sitting around the table, I'm in love with my phone, I can't leave it alone. I got a string of lines like that that's unreal. We'll go through the airport in the morning, and I'll guarantee you, instead of folks sitting there saying, boy, how you doing all that? They'll be doing this right here. They'll be sitting there... I'll go out to a restaurant and a husband and a wife sitting there. She's got hers, he's got his. Be a family there. Dad took your kids out. And friend, it's easy to pick up just like that. Things that your eyes not, shouldn't see and your ears ought not to hear. Amen. Oh, preacher, you're going to kill the meat. No, we're going to kill some prophets of Baal. Yeah. Whew, put the axe to the root. Amen. How much more could we go? There's 400. <laughs> Mike Jackson was preaching on the 70 palm trees, and he started on one, and somebody said to his wife, says, he going to preach all 70 of them? She said, I don't know. said, probably. Well, 450. We could put, <laughs> here's prophet Baal number one. Here number two. We could go through 450. Man, they such catalogs of sin and things that need the axe to the root. But God appointed out to your heart what's between you and the Lord. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. What's between you and somebody? What can become clean? They came clean. 
It's bloody. It was hard. It was terrible. What? 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 But when that's done, Elijah comes to Ahab and says, Now, Ahab, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And he went up on the hill and he prayed seven times and a small cloud out of the sea came like a man's hand. Boy, they took off across the bed and God sent a frog strangler, gully washer, trash mover. I mean, the earth began to shout and animals began to neigh and people began to run out there and dance and shout. Rain had finally come. The blessings of God had come. Rochester sang that song, Send the Rain. Send the rain. The Lord wants to send the rain. Sounds of abundance of rain. If you've ever been in a real revival, you won't be satisfied with this dead, fizzled out, dry-eyed, dry-eyed stuff. If you ever tasted the glory, I was shouting on the mountain one night in a big prayer meeting we had up there and Brother Raymond Geis, I had about 30 minutes shouting down through the bushes and all that coming back. He said, you're right now, boy, you're right now. I said, did I do something wrong? He said, no. He said, you done took one of those Canaan land grapes and said, you'll never be satisfied in the wilderness ever again. If you've ever had God send abundant rain, you'll never be satisfied. Preachers don't believe in this hour. God can send revival. I believe the days of revival over with for America. That's because you're looking at America instead of looking to God. If God could rip the curtain of the Soviet Union down all those years of communism and send a space of 10 years where they just sucked Bibles, and I mean souls saved, if God can do that, that he can do that here. One good depression... Fill this building back up. God's able. He has no problem. He's got all power in heaven and earth. The problem lies right here. My people, my people. Well, the sound of abundance of rain. Do we hear those sounds? Let's stand all over the house.